Common to Bottle Blondes, the unstuffy wine podcast for funny people. Yeah. Yeah. I am Hallie. I am Adrian. And uh, we'll probably soon stop doing offensive German accents, but, you know, the reason we're doing those is because it's our Germany episode. Yay! So everything we're going to be tasting today is actually from Germany, even though many of the grapes that are grown in Germany are grown other places. We wanted to go fully authentic today. 100% German, we went, all the way. Yeah, we went to um, a German market. We got um, some German snacks. Mm-hmm. Um, some good old-fashioned pumpernickel bread. Uh, it's party pumpernickel. Bread. Party pumpernickel. <laughs> Forgive me. I'm sad we didn't get the kitchen pumpernickel. Yes, more on that later. <laughs> um, so we're covering kind of the main grapes of Germany in this podcast. Um, things that uh, are are very famous and well known, um, like the Riesling grape, all the way down to what is the synonym for Pinot Noir over there? Spatburgunder. Spatburgunder. <laughs> My problem with pronouncing German words is I always add extra syllables, so I probably would have said that like Spatenburgunder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just make it. Yeah, you just like inherently <laughs> want to make it longer. <laughs> More you. <laughs> More umla. Um, we also have some Gewürztraminer and some Mueller. Yeah, Mueller Thurgood? Nope, not like the Supreme Court Justice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Thurgau. Thurgau. Um, uh, Thurgood Marshall was the, I think he was the first African-American Supreme Court Justice. Oh, I'm, yes. I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about the Mueller investigation oh. of the current day and age. <laughs> oh. My apologies. That's okay. That's okay. It's a it's a double named wine, uh, which is, is can be very confusing. Wow. So yeah, let's dive on in. Yeah, let's dive on in. Uh, so just some quick facts uh, to open up about Germany. This is actually the eighth largest, I believe, wine growing region in the world. It's massive. Yeah, it's really huge. It's um, also some of the regions in the country are the most uh, northern growing regions in the entire world. Um, Germany's got a microclimate, so which is really uh, nice for growing grapes. So what does that mean? It means it doesn't get too hot and it doesn't get too cold. So oh, nice. Oregon has a microclimate, which is why Pinot does really good here. Um, and yeah, the top the top grape is Riesling. Riesling, yeah, sixty percent of the world's Riesling is actually grown in Germany. Other areas besides Germany, um, mostly Germany, and then the USA. Australia, France, Ukraine, Moldova. We gotta find some Moldova wine. Yeah, it keeps Clearly. coming up. And it keeps coming up. <laughs> um, and dominant flavors you're gonna see in a Riesling are gonna be um, crisp uh, uh, citrus or green fruits, mm-hmm. uh, very floral. And then they're also, the big component to them is their minerality. So they have a lot of that kind of chalky, slaty um, notes of rocks. <laughs> well, slate is, slate is a contributing um, soil type to where a lot of these are grown. Um, also, something that's interesting about Riesling is it's always going to be, when you have a Riesling, it's never it's never blended with another grape. It's always going to be 100% Riesling. And Riesling is kind of considered to be some of the world's finest wine. Um, and I'll let you talk, because I know you, you looked up all of the like different styles of like sweetness and stuff. Yeah. But um, the cool other cool thing about Riesling is it can be um, 100% bone dry or it can be very, very sweet, like an ice wine. Yeah, and that's what we're actually used to, I think, in the United States is we associate Riesling with being a sweet wine. But which is why my misconception going into my first wine class was like, ugh, Riesling. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people, same thing with Gewürz, which we'll get into later, but um, I'm sorry, I'm going to be abbreviating Gewürz demeanor I as Gewürz this entire podcast. If you don't abbreviate it, you are going to get very tired. Yeah, I'm going to fatigue my voice box, in addition to my palate, perhaps. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting. A lot of um, sommeliers, and um, wine growers really like Riesling because it does not fatigue your palate, kind of like a red wine might. You, it's, it's very easy drinking. It goes well with so many different types of food and cheeses. It's, it's so versatile. Um, and it's essentially grown, when it, in Germany, it's grown primarily in the Rhine uh, Valley or along the Rhine River, which goes, uh, I believe, from the north, it's a north to south running river. 
uh, and the Rhine is surrounded by all of these really big steep hills, which is perfect for growing Riesling because not only do we have the, the light is reflecting off the river, so it, it's deferring the grapes and the vineyards from getting too hot, but you also, it's like a nice pocket to keep in that cool morning uh, air. So, yeah. Microclimates, y'all. Microclimates, y'all. <laughs> Uh, and then, yeah, so a lot of people are like, hey, how do you, how do you find a dry Riesling heli? Actually, that's a really good question <laughs> because um, I, I learned about, I think this is more of an American thing. There's like a scale that some, some wine labels have of how dry it is. But if you're not familiar with German terminology, um, those, yeah, those labels don't have that scale. <laughs> and there's so much, if you're, if you're actually getting wine from Germany, there's a lot on the bottle, and it's going to mean like 16 different things. So it's, really, <laughs> so it's really good that you kind of get used to, you know, grape names and then these distinguishers in German. So, uh, Trocken is dry, so if you're looking for a dry Riesling, look for a Trocken. Halb Trocken is off dry, um, which is kind of where I like my Rieslings. Um, Sometimes super dry Rieslings can almost border on a little bit of Pinot Gris flavors. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Fine Herb, uh, <laughs> maybe I'm saying that right, uh, is is like a dry to sweet. And then Lieblich is sweet. And so. then on the very, very far end, you also have Eiswein. Yes. Which is a really cool thing. Eiswein. Um, where they actually, the... the the winemakers let the grapes ripen on the vine and then they let them freeze so that all of the residual sugars are concentrated and then they harvest those frozen grapes. It's actually a pretty common winemaking technique um, and Germany is known for some really beautiful ice wine. I'm not a particularly into sweet wines, but hey, if they're the finest in the land, might as well put them in your mouth. <laughs> I'm going to use that reasoning for all delicious foods. Well, I mean, it's good. I might as well put it in my mouth. <laughs> so um, let's talk about, before we dive into our uh, mm-hmm. our lovely Riesling, what do we have on our spread today? We've already oh mentioned we have, we have Party Pumpernickel, mm-hmm. which is very intense and aromatic. Very. Um, we have two different little, like, soft spread little cheeses. One is herbs and garlic, and the other one has um, mushrooms. mushrooms in it. We have a Gouda. Um, some different types of mustard. We have like a, and then the whole grain mustard and some sweet hot mustard, and then some very sad looking but tasty uh, New Mexican red chili mustard. Uh, we have some red cabbage that's been braised in apples and I don't know if anything else. It's really tasty though. Some some pickles. And then, you know, some non-traditional items like strawberries and seaweed. <laughs> I was like, hmm, these might go well, you know, as a little palate cleanser because we're having a lot of, um, you know, uh, pickles and uh, fr- smelly. Yeah. Fermented. Fermented. Yeah. Smelly fermented things. Um, cool. I'm ready. Let's get some. Right. I'm ready to drink. <laughs> it is 2 p.m. on a Sunday. Woo! I've been waiting for this all day. <laughs> So I have a, a Riesling um, from the Mosel Valley. I'm not sure if I'm saying Mosel right. No, I think so. I think you're right. Only because I feel like we've heard so much about the Mosel region on the news, and now mm. I'm like I keep associating that with this wine growing region. But um, the Mosel region is uh, kind of northwest in Germany. Uh, it's close to Belgium. It's most well known for its Riesling, um, and it has some of the vineyards in the world, so what Hallie was talking about earlier, um, it's also the most northern, um, I think, wine-growing region. No, it's not the most northern wine-growing region in Germany, but it's one of them. Um, so grapes in this region are only exposed to sun for a couple hours of the day, and because of this, most of the vineyards are south-facing. Um, the soil there is mostly comprised of slate, which has heat-retaining properties, so when those few hours of sunlight do hit the region, um, that soil is keeping the vines warm um, and helping the grapes ripen. 
Um, the Mittelmolso <laughs> has a lot of famous villages in it that I can't pronounce. Um, <laughs> but one cute thing that I did find out was it includes three renowned uh, vineyards called the Sonnier, Sonnier Vineyards, which stands for Sundial, and each of those vineyards has this like giant sundial that was built back in the 1600s to help workers keep track of the daylight. Cool. Yeah. Um, so this Riesling is, the producer is Leo Patson. And it's a 2014 uh, Trocken-style uh, Riesling, so it's very dry. Um, it's delicious. <laughs> yeah, it smells... Um, I'm getting, like, lemon and beeswax mm-hmm. and um, a little bit of honeysuckle, but not, like, overwhelmingly. Yeah, it smells very... Like, the minerality is really coming through the smell. Yeah. Like, I smell chalk and wet sleeves. <clears throat> It's a very like tailful. Yeah, it's not as um. It's yeah. I feel like some Rieslings are even a little bit uh, paler. Yeah. So this is a little bit more on the um. Yeah, a riper yellow. <laughs> you know, um, it, just, it looks like it looks like you know sun-kissed morning light on your carpet in the morning, yeah. which you haven't really cleaned in a while. And but. so you see all those little dust mites floating <laughs> through the air. <laughs> Um, and some stray hairs from your dog. Oh boy, yep. Um, it's, it's really, the taste is nice. It's got some, like, juicy apple, maybe some tart rainier cherry, um, a little bit of, like, a rubber taste. Yeah. Mm. So good. Yeah, um, and it has, like, a very nice, smooth texture to it, almost like a really refined olive oil. It's nice. Um, but yeah, I, I'm... I'm being convinced by the Riesling. Um, honestly, the one that we had yesterday at, where was it, Teutonic Wine Company? Yeah. The 1908, which was totally obviously not made in 1908. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know the significance of the name, but oh my god, it was so good. Yeah. <laughs> if you live in Portland, um, there's a yeah, really great wine shop, Teutonic Wine Company, off Powell and 20th, and they buy their grapes from multiple plots and vineyards around the state and make uh, German-style wines, like um, Riesling, Gewürztraminer, they do blends. Uh, they also have the Sylvaner, which is another really common uh, wine grape grown in Germany, which we don't have uh, one of those today, but... Hey, um, we couldn't do it all. And you guys, y'all, <laughs> German wines from Germany are a little pricier. They really are. Yeah, so you're looking uh, in probably more than the 20 range for a lot of this stuff. I know each of, I know every single bottle we're tasting today was probably $20. Yeah, and <laughs> the, mo- the more and more I've read about German winemaking is that like, they're anal retentive. Oh, yeah. Like, they're just so into the winemaking process, and so you don't get these like giant old wines that you do in America because they're very, very precise. Um, so Mosul is actually known uh, very well for its sweet wines, mm. those ice wines that I was talking about earlier, um, because the climate allows for such great acidity in the grapes, so that really balances those ice wines out, so they're not super like sugary and cloying, they're like sweet but balanced and who knows? I'll try them on someday. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this one, you know, if I was meeting this wine for the first time. Yes. If it was maybe in like a, probably in like a literary class that I was taking mm. or something. Yeah, what what year in college? Or? Mm. Um, Probably second, second year, maybe like a, like a, like an all like women's literature class. Mm. <laughs> would be like a women's lit class wine and like the cool teacher that like knows a lot of information but like also doesn't cut you a lot of slack she wants you you to succeed yeah she wants you to succeed and she wants you to she wants you to stay on track but she's also like you know what like if you have some funky writing styles or like (laughs) you know you know if you turn it in a day or two late i'll let it slide as long as it's good what's this teacher's name i feel like it'd be the same name as the wine yeah, um, <laughs> Mrs. Pat- no, not Mrs. Definitely a Miss. Um, that's a good question. Something simple like an Emily. Hmm. Yeah. What What do you think? I am definitely getting some. I don't know, like 
snowy cabin vibes, which is really Ooh. weird. Uh, I just feel like I'm kind of alone by a fireplace and I'm eating like a really intense like cheesy potatoes and meat meal which delicious which you know you would think you'd go to red wines for that but for yeah. some reason because maybe it's the German northern <laughs> German thing that you put in my head but mm -hmm. I just really yeah I want to be just drinking this by a, a fire as, yeah. as a lovely palate cleanser with my heavy ass meal yeah um, and I feel like this wine talks back to me you know yeah because his name is Bernard Bernard <laughs> wearing a turtleneck sweater. Oh cool. my god, yes. A turtleneck sweater, pleated khakis. Whoa! Yeah. He's a monster. <laughs> uh, so, these regions that we're talking about today are actually, I believe, 13 of the main regions um, out of, you know, that are sanctioned by the country or whatever. Sanctioned. I was like, maybe gonna read more into it, and I was like, bleh, government, boring. <laughs> Angela Merkel, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Get out of here. <laughs> so I'm uh, just going to touch on a couple um, regions really quick. And these are uh, all along the Rhine River. Mm -hmm. uh, Mosul region is on the Mosul River. These are on the Rhine. So the biggest, uh, biggest, most largest, gigantic, the biggest, the biggest uh, is uh, the Rhine-Hessen. Um, so the Rhine-Hessen is the largest producing region, and then after that, I believe it's Hopsal um, or Palatine. Ah, um, the Faltz region? Yeah, but it's called yeah. two different, it's like known by two different oh, things. Oh lord. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of dual, dual stuff going on. <laughs> so in the Rhine-Hessen, uh, the biggest one is actually going to be a, a Mueller Thurgau, mm. then it's Riesling, and then another uh, red grape called Dornfelder. And then uh, Sylvaner. Mm. So this, that's the number one. And then there's two much smaller regions uh, that are a little bit north of this region. One of them is uh, Rhein-Gau, which is uh, Riesling and Pinot Noir. And the other one is Mittelrhein, which is all Riesling. Um, I was actually in the Mittelrhein. I was in the Middle Rhine last year before I knew what the, <laughs> what the, heck? What the hell I was <laughs> It was a very whirlwind trip. Um, we flew into Frankfurt and then stayed in a uh, old castle, uh, Burg Liebenstein. Awesome. Yeah, on the Rhine. So this entire area of the Middle Rhine is like just old fucking castles where mm -hmm. people, you know, where back when Germany was a little bit more loosey goosey and <laughs> you could have, there, yeah, it was just crazy. They were like castles. It was beautiful. Um, some of them are very much in ruins. Some of them are very still functioning, like the one I stayed in, which was converted into a. a bed and breakfast but we were drinking um at the time we were all drinking riesling from mm -hmm. wineries in that area and a lot of these smaller regions these are the only that they're not shipping that wine to the united states mm -hmm. the wine that's getting made in these smaller regions is getting made for the people that live in that town and for oh. tourists oh so I was drinking some hella good Riesling. That will never see the light <laughs> no. of day over here. Yeah, it will never see the light of day uh, in America. Interesting. But, um, yes, it's so beautiful out there. And you do, you see the, the vineyards on these hills. Uh, we tried to go to a winery to do a tasting firsthand. What but, happened? Well, it was November, which is uh, not not really like the the height of the winemaking season or or the tourist season. Really, <laughs> uh, I mean, it was great. We were just poking around all these little villages like Saint Gore. Uh, we were in Camp Hornhofen, and yeah. There was like nobody. Like it was crazy. We were just hanging with the locals. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, but the winery was closed, which is too bad because we definitely wanted to do a tasting. But it was still at least cool to just see all um, the vineyards on the hills and whatnot. Was it really hilly, like getting around in the town, or was it like, you know, was it so small that you didn't really have to like venture around? Well, all the towns are like on um, kind of like the banks, uh -huh. but then like the castles and stuff are, are further up into the hills. Uh -huh. And the river's really windy, mm -hmm. so you're kind of like bopping around these these bends in the river and yeah. <laughs> 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 Name that Disney movie. <laughs> I think it's Pocahontas. Mm -hmm. I think so. <laughs> um so yeah, these 
are just a couple of the regions uh, along the Rhine. There's so many other ones. There's another one that's like, um, which we'll get to a little bit later, but there's ones closer to the Black Forest, which are a little bit more southwest. Um, so now it's time oh, to uh, drink, to drink something. Oh, again? Yes, again. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, good. This is my favorite part. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and then after that, I have a little history lesson for us. Yeah. So our second wine that we're going to be drinking uh, is the second most produced grape. It's a Mueller Thurgau, which is a combination of a Riesling and a grape, I believe, called a Ma- oh, Madeleine Royale. Mm. So what's interesting about that is... Uh, Riesling grapes, like just straight Riesling grapes, um, take 130 days to mature, mm-hmm. and then the Madeleine one takes less. Oh, so is it just like a an offshoot of the Riesling? Like it's a Riesling grape, but it's like a varietal or something? Or yeah. Varietal of, uh, breed of it? I don't know. <laughs> I think I'd have to go back and do a little bit more yeah. research of it. I kind of was poking around, and mm-hmm. it looks like it was, they were looking to produce more, I can't remember around what time period, but they needed something that was going to ripen quicker okay. than the Riesling grape. Uh, so yes, that's, and this, this is the name of the guy, essentially. Uh, oh, the, the grape is also the name of a dude. Well, the grapes are Riesling and the Madeleine Royale, but the Mueller Thurgau is the guy that created the blend. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So it's Riesling on Riesling, but like a Riesling hybrid and then na- named after the guy. Okay. <laughs> Germany, you're so perplexing. So this is from the Pfalz or Palatine region, the second biggest growing region after the Rheinhessen. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a 2015. Also on my label here, it says Halbtrocken, so we know this is going to be uh, dry to sweet. So okay. it's our second tier level here. And then, Adrian, we looked up this word. Yes, Honigsacko means like honey pot, like but in a sexual way. Yeah, it means like the vineyard is like. A vagina. <laughs> I don't know. The false vagina. I don't. The false. I don't know. I've heard like men <laughs> call women's things honeypots. Not to me. No one's ever called my vagina honeypot. <laughs> Not that it isn't one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's all these really weird names of wine making or wine growing regions in Germany. Um Esselhaus, which stands for donkey donkey hide, gold tropchen, little raindrops of gold, the Heimelreich, uh, Kingdom of Heaven, the Honigsackle, honeypot with a sexual connotation. And if I'm not if yes, oh no. I thought that there was Heimelreich Honigsackle, which would be Kingdom of Heaven honeypot. No <laughs> Um, it's like an angel's vagina. Jesuit Garden, Garden of the Jesuits. The Ufermauer is the Wall of Virgins. The Kalb is just veal. Oh. <laughs> Someone got really bored. They were like, ah, veal. Veal. <laughs> Katzenbeiser is Biter of Cats. Like, there's just a worse hole is Spice Hell. There's just so many great, great, great names. Great, great names. Great, great names. <laughs> so, um... Touche, Germany. Touche. All right, here we go with our Mueller Thurgau. A little bit more. A little bit more on the yellow gold. side, yeah. yeah, than the previous one. Mm-hmm. Um, the color that I like to refer to is medium yellow. Medium <laughs> yellow. What a citrusy smell. Yeah. So, um, tell us about this 2015 Mother Thurgau. Uh, well, I haven't tasted it yet. So I'm pretty excited to get on it. It does, it smells very minerally. Um, I'm not getting as much floral as I was getting with a Riesling, which is kind of interesting. Um, definitely kind of has that slaty chocolate smell, so. Ooh! This is interesting. Ooh, you hot. Oh yeah. Mm. Whoa. So this, uh, I can 
even though this is uh, claiming to be off dry, this is actually, I want to say, even a little bit more on the sweet side uh, than maybe I was expecting. It's got some pretty big wine tears, uh, so it's, which is an indication of higher residual sugar. Still very acidic, though. It's like, um, oh, like, like a honeydew, like a subdued honeydew, mm -hmm. like a honeydew, but also there's definitely like a that kind of petroleum taste at the end of it. Yeah, like kind of like a plasticky, almost, or it's like an artificial. It's it's hard to pinpoint. Like once you have it in your mouth, you know what it is. I was actually gonna say that it. I am surprised by how dry it is. I thought that it would be sweeter. Actually, now that it's getting a little bit of air, some of that, like, I think that first one was like, ow! Mm -hmm. But now that it's, now that it's airy now. Now that it's airy now. <laughs> getting some oxygen. This would be really good with some Asian food. Yeah, yeah. it would. I, I agree. Asian, Indian. So anything that's got a little bit of spice would definitely uh, go well with this wine. Uh, also, fun fact, this came in a one liter bottle. So it is a it's a bigger boy. It's a big boy. Yeah, which I don't really understand that, but we found out last week or Weigel usually comes in that Gruner belt leaner is another um, variety that typically comes in a liter bottle. I'm not sure why though. Yeah, I well it might be another uh, topic to explore another day. <laughs> There's something floral in there too. Jasmine? Yeah, let's go with jasmine. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like taste the way that jasmine smells. I don't really know. You ever drink jasmine tea? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. That's like when I, I feel, that's my favorite actual of the green teas, the nice jasmine nice green tea. tea. Yeah, because it does, I, I really do gravitate towards floral mm -hmm. um, tastes and smells. Like I really like St. Germain in my cocktails, which my dad thinks is so gross, <laughs> but he puts it in my stack in any way. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Whenever I visit. <laughs> I like St. Germain a lot. That el oh, elderflower. Elderflower. There I'm we go. That. Yeah, that's a good. This is nice. History lesson. Oh, bing, 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 bing. <laughs> that's the history lesson song. Yeah, I like it. So <laughs> A uh, history lesson is um, just a new segment for this show only, maybe. I don't know. We'll find out. Tell us, Professor Zimmerchak. Okay, class. <laughs> well, fun fact, Germany's wine-growing region is right about where it it's on the border of France, essentially. <laughs> so, France and Germany, I don't know if you knew this. <laughs> they had a little bit of German... <laughs> Really? Yeah. Really? Uh, a little thing called a World War One, <laughs> and a little thing called a World War Two. <laughs> so essentially, you are never going to. It's, you're going to be very, very hard pressed in German wine regions and in wine regions in France that are close to that German border, like Alsace and Champagne. You'll be very hard pressed to find vintages before the 1940s because essentially when they would invade each other's countries all of the wine would get uh destroyed or pillaged uh it is really sad and another big thing leading to aside from the plundering you know all of the majority of winemakers back then were obviously male you get called up to service so the vineyards wouldn't be tended during the course of that time either. So wine also wasn't being grown around that time. Yeah. Uh, there's an interesting book that I was hoping to get further along <laughs> into before this uh, called Wine and War. And it's kind of all about this uh, struggle between the two countries and how winemakers, when they knew war was coming, would build secret uh, underground tunnels to hide their vintages. That's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. And it, uh, one thing that's really interesting is, so the region of Alsace, which is currently in France, mm -hmm. uh, has actually also been a part of Germany. <laughs> so this little contested area, it went from being uh, <clears throat> in the seventh between uh, yeah between 1870 and 1945, it changed hands four times between the two countries. So that's about hundred. 60, 70 years. Wow. So, uh, well, not quite 200, but 
still, that's, there's long stretches where it was, you know, German, and who knows if those wineries were kept in that same family. Um, Probably not. <laughs> and there was, you know, depending on when the um, country would flip, you'd have people born, like, born German, but then France would come in, and they have this, like, kind of hybrid language that they spoke. So, just really interesting, interesting stuff. I can so, only imagine what horrible language that sounds like. I know, right? Oh, God. Uh, yeah, so it was first, yeah, the Franco-Prussian War, uh, it became German, and then at the end of World War One, made it French again, and then in 1940, Alsace was annexed, it was forced to become German. It's, it's crazy. Uh, so, like, it was originally French in the first place? I believe, yes. It was originally French, and then it went back to being German. Uh, I don't know a lot about the Franco-Prussian War, but um. I, I assume by the end of this book, I will uh, know a lot more about it. <laughs> I do, I do love some history. Um, so this will, yeah, be exciting to see well, read more about that struggle. We didn't pick any Alsace regions. Well, I guess that would be a French one because it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but they were saying. Um, you know, that region is very interesting because I feel like that structure of Germany is still, like, resonated there, but with, like, more of the je, je ne sais quoi, the yes. French, I don't know. <laughs> the French influence. Yeah, so it's, that area is, is influenced by two different countries, which I think is really interesting, and it does grow a lot of Riesling, so, fun fact there. Yay, thank yeah. you, Professor Hannah. You're welcome. <laughs> so next we're moving on to uh, a Gewurztraminer, correct? Yeah. Which, again, you think Gewurztraminer is going to be, you know, the second most popular, mm-hmm. but it is so not. I think so not. It's like seventh or eighth most. It's, it's mm-hmm. down there. It's down there. Um, Gewurztraminer is a very... You know, honestly, I, I need to learn more about the grape, but it's um, very, very, very floral. Um, it can be definitely pretty off-putting to some people. Um, it's This one specifically is grown in the Faults region, uh, which Hallie was talking about, I think, a little bit. Mm-hmm. You probably have more information. Um, I, have, I have a bit of information about the region itself. It's more, um, uh, the, the Faults region is more comprised of limestone, gravel, red sandstone, um, gets a lot more sun, a lot riper grapes, um, it's actually the second most area after Mosul, um, to be planted with Riesling, so the fact that we're drinking a Virgdemeter, Virgdemeter is definitely not the primary grape down there. Um, so it'd be kind of interesting to get some, actually the, the Mueller that you had was so much more different than the Riesling from Mosul. Um, so the regions are just very, very different, the Mosul region and the Faults region. Um, other predominant grapes from this area include uh, Weissberger, which is Pinot Blanc. Oh no, Weissburgunder. Grand Burgunder, which is Pinot Gris, and Spotsburgunder, which is the Pinot Noir. So, I feel like this area is very similar to Oregon, Mm -hmm. um, because those are actually a lot of grapes that we grow. And this is, like, yellow. This is yellow. Like, this looks like my pee after I take a vitamin B. (laughs) Like, (laughs) yeah, this is, like, this is, um, when you... When you have not hydrated at all for several days and you wake up first thing in the morning, like... I'm also going to sound really douchey right now and say it looks fine. It's the same color as a 1970-something Chardonnay that I drank once mm. because, you know, the more shards age, the yellower they get. Right. So this just, it's, it's so, yeah, it is yellow. It is yeah. like it is bizarre super, super yellow. Um, this is a 2015 and I actually found out that... Gewürztraminer is meant to be drank within about one to two years uh, of its production. Mm. So that way the uh, acidity helps kind of balance it out. So you lose a lot of that acidity the longer that you let it sit. Um, and so I, I'm i curious, this one, since we're 
late 2018, it may be losing kind of that acidity that helps stand it up. Well, and I honestly, you know, so where we bought these wines, Edelweiss, I'm wondering if they, a lot of these wines are just sitting on their shelf Shelves. for a I long time. I don't think time. it's necessarily a place where people go to shop for wine. <laughs> yeah, it's actually more of like a deli sandwich, you know, German wares, mm-hmm. but they have a, I, we were the only ones poking around the wine mm-hmm. section. There was a lot of people there. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, I'm going to put this in my mouth and see where it goes. But yeah, um, typical, yeah, typical flavors are German sweeter. What are we seeing here? You get a lot of floral flavors. Um, rose is the biggest oh, thing I that I smell that here. right off the, wow, you're yeah, right. Yeah, um, candied fruits, mango, things like that. Guava, um, yeah. It's honestly like, I'm not getting much more than the floral smell, maybe a little bit of minerality, but once you taste it, man, it just whams you in the face it's, with a, a lot of fruit. It's, this is... Yeah, I'm, I feel like I'm drinking rose oil, almost. Yeah, almost. I got lychee, like a lot of lychee. Yeah. Um, some grapefruit, like grapefruit juice, almost. Yeah. Guava, honey, oh. and candied ginger. Um, yes, candied ginger, great one. This one's bonkers. This is definitely uh, on the sweeter side. and it I like it. <laughs> it doesn't have the label. It doesn't say what... What kind, what mm. style of dryness it is, which I was like, why? <laughs> why? But it is the same producer as the Mueller Thurgood that we just had. Uh, Weinzer EG, I don't know, Weinzer Egg? Is Egg a thing? Um, Weinzer Egg Herrenberg Honish Shackle. The vagina honeypot thing. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who need a refresh. Yeah. It's, you know, I added, the, I added the V part. I mean, if you need. <laughs> Real honeypot? This is some real honeypot stuff. Yeah, I think the first sweeteners, I mean, can are typically, I guess, more sweet anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, that is me just probably being ignorant, but I feel like I've had drier Gewurz, and mm-hmm. I don't know, this is bizarre. I, this is bizarro town. It needs food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really does. It's so bold that... Honestly, I wonder how it would stand up with this pumpernickel bread. Oh, just straight? This, mm-hmm. Yeah, we have uh, not been eating this pumpernickel straight because it's so... molasses mola- Yeah. This is, uh, this is interesting. <laughs> not my fave, but, like, I can't stop drinking it. Yeah, I really... I'm fascinated. I'm, yeah, I'm very fascinated by the mm-hmm. flavor profile. Big Gewurz... My name Big Gavert. <laughs> Me save you from burning fire. <laughs> Doesn't Gavert? I mean, it could be like the Hulk's cousin. Mm-hmm. The Hulk's, the Hulk's cousin Gavert to me. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> come on. Mm-hmm. He had a big old laboratory. I don't okay, you guys. First off, I don't know a lot about the Hulk or Marvel, but didn't Bruce Banner have like a huge laboratory? Yeah, he was like, like a scientist. So once he became the Hulk, like. Mm-hmm. He became, uh, you know, foolish and angry, and he probably abandoned his laboratory and let it open for all these other people to come steal his secrets. So I wouldn't be surprised if there are other Hulks out there. There are. Well, there's, like, other... There's, like, She-Hulk. Then there's, like... Yeah, there's a... I don't know. There's a lot of different Hulk versions. (laughs) There's Hulkamania. (laughs) (laughs) There's Edward Norton the Hulk. There's Uh, Eric Bana the Hulk. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. There's... Mark Ruffalo the Hulk. Mark Ruffalo the Hulk. I think Mark Ruffalo has been the best Hulk. I I agree. Um, I think Edward Norton was the weirdest Hulk. Very weird. Very strange choice. (laughs) He's so not peakish, peaky looking. Yeah. Yeah. I just I've never. The only time I've seen him super ripped or look like a semblance of like a big buff man was American History X. Mm. Other than that, and that's not really something you want to associate with the Hulk. Yeah, he's very oval-shaped and wayfish. Oval-shaped and wayfish. <laughs> versus Eric Bana and Mark Ruffalo, who I wouldn't mind being in that man sandwich. <laughs> um, <laughs> is, they're, they're square-jawed and are just kind of like, ooh, I'm kind of likable. That's more Mark Ruffalo. Eric Bana actually was a comedian in Australia. What? Yeah. People don't know that about him. Yeah, Germany is actually... Fifth on the list of diverse producers, so France being number one, Moldova, Ukraine, Australia, Germany, then the U.S., and then Hungary. 
So something interesting that, uh, going back to it being drank pretty young, um, fruitiness is a characteristic of young wine. So fruitiness you're going to find in Beaujolais, fruitiness you're also going to find in Gewürztraminer, and Gewürztraminer is um, drank when it's very, very young. So it says, let's see, made notably in the Alsace region of France, has effusive lychee aromas and flavors. Um, which, yeah, it tastes like lychee candy. Like that kind that you pop out that's like a jelly. Yeah. You know, in the Asian grocery stores. And, yeah, it tastes like that. It's kind of interesting, which makes sense as to why it goes with a lot of Asian foods. Um, it's also grown in Canada. Fun. Fun. <laughs> I could tell you a little... Oh yeah, a safe story? Oh, do tell it, Brian. Okay, so let's uh, let's take a trip to the Herrenberg Honestackel in Ungstein, Germany, which is locate, which is a uh, a municipality of the southwestern German area of Bad Durkheim. All right. Which is a spa town. (laughs) A spa town. Yeah, it's like a little tourist town. Wait, Bad Durkheim. Yeah, that Durkheim um, is a little, like, beautiful spa town in um, the southwestern German state of Rhineland, Palatinate. Palatine? 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 I don't know. Pal- Palatinate. Pal- Palatinate. I've, I've, <laughs> I've been fucking up a lot of words oh, on this goodness. podcast, um, including Cuvée, which we'll fix later. Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, like, unless you were at German studies... Ever. <laughs> I don't know how you pronounce this stuff. Um, it's surrounded by vineyards on the expiring slopes of the Hart Mountains, um, and it's actually part of the German wine route in the Schwarz region, which is 85 kilometers in length. So it's like, it's a big tourist area. People just go up and down and stay in these little bed and breakfast and things like that. Um, pictures were super gorgeous. I was mm. like, book of my trip today! <laughs> um, <laughs> so this this wine grower is basically a, it's like a wine cooperative um, that has been growing grapes for the last 110 years. Um, they basically, there's not really a super sexy or super interesting story. Um, their <laughs> pictures were very adorable. They have a pretty big team. Um, but basically, the winemakers in this region join forces to become a wine cooperative with an environmentally friendly focus. And a lot of people grow, a lot of different um, producers grow grapes there. And uh, both our Gewürztraminer and our Mueller Thurgood both come from the Weinzer Herrenberg von Schacko. So those must be the, so those grapes come from those vineyards and this winery buys, like the different wineries buy them and I think it's the other way around where they this this producer mm. owns the land and grows the grapes and then different wineries buy those grapes gotcha yeah I couldn't tell 100% there was like a lot of like tourist land style landing pages and not a lot of history about this specific producer but um, that's kind of the, the gist that I got yeah cool yeah so, um, definitely gotta go on the German wine route is what I've found. Yeah, that's, that's super fun. I, yeah. love, I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, but let's, uh, let's, let's, let's marry on from our <laughs> white wine extravaganza. Yes, um, a lot of people don't think that Germany uh, produces red, but it does. As we mentioned earlier, um, only about 60%. Oh. of the country's output is white. Oh. So um, the rest is going to be red, the big one being um, Schwarzenberger, uh, Dornfelder, Portugieser, Tollinger, Schwarz Riesling, and Limburger, which is that Blau Frankish oh, thing. really sweet stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, 37% are red. Uh, and this is a very interesting bottle. Oh my god, so cool. So... Maybe we can try and put a picture of this mm. on the website yeah. so you guys can see this. Um, Let's describe it for them right now. So it is a... <laughs> Let's do an invocation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We don't actually have to. <laughs> um, this wine is loved. Mm. This wine has found a home. 
this wine is as red as the blood of a pricked finger. This wine is containing secrets. <laughs> this wine is from the region of Baden. <laughs> this wine is from a monkey land. Yes. The Valley of the Monkeys. All right. <laughs> that was enough. I'm terrible at invocation. I really am, too. I was like, I don't know the order of this. Shoot, shoot. Uh, cool. So this is a Pinot Noir. Uh, yes. The first thing that stands up, there is actually a, uh, it's a beautiful bottle. There is a copper monkey hugging the bottle. It's like embossed. So it's not even like the label. It's like the part, the bottle, the glass is an embossed monkey that has been painted. It's so cute. It's really cool. So what I found out, so this is called <clears throat> Afentalel. Okay. Yeah, it means <laughs> it means Valley of the Monkey, but um, the origin story is not about monkeys at all. It's just kind of like a game of telephone. So essentially, this region, Baden, which is where a lot of Pinot Noir is grown in Germany, between the Black Forest and the Rhine in southwest Germany. Um, so it's not uh, grown on the river like all the white grapes are. Huh. It's it's a little bit further um, west than that, or excuse me, uh, south. So back in the day, that entire region was uh, the wine was made by the the Cistercian monks. What? Monks, you know, the monkey monks. The, yeah, the monkey monks. <laughs> <laughs> it's the hit band from the sixties. <laughs> Um, you know, monks used to be the biggest, you know, you know, vendors, producers mm-hmm. of wine. So the monks were the first people to kind of be in that valley and make the wine, and, and they are the one that cultivated Pinot Noir in that area, actually. So, so the monks would b- cry out, Ave Maria, but like not in the style of Botticelli, not Botticelli, Andre Botticelli, the opera singer. Yes. Anyway, they would sing Ave Maria. <laughs> I worked in an opera house once, I don't remember. <laughs> um, but locals would refer to it as the Ave Valley, because they would oh. always be singing Ave Maria while they were growing the grapes. Yeah, so, and, then, and then it kind of mutated into Ave Valley, mutated into Avenue Huh. So, yeah, so the winery also does Riesling. Um, mm-hmm. They also do a rose of Pinot Noir there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting to me about this is that it is only 12% alcohol. Hmm. Normally, Pinot Noirs are a little. Just a hair more, like yeah. more 12.5 to 13. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, even just look, we put the bo- when you put the bottle up to the sunlight. Whoops, hello. <laughs> <laughs> If you can really see through it, it's pretty, pretty pale. Yeah, and I haven't, you know, I haven't tried this yet, so. Oh, wow. It's an interesting color. It's almost pouring out a little, like, rusty red colored. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, the vintage on this, by the way, is a... Do we even have one? Good point. This might be from a couple different years. Mm. Pinot Noir product Germany. It doesn't smell like a traditional Pinot Noir. At least I'm so used to the big mm-hmm. bouquets of the Willamette Valley Pinot Noir, and this almost smells. This is a little bit more. So what I um, have written down is that these are a little bit more earthy and not as fruit forward. Mm-hmm. It has almost like this balsamic smell. I'm getting, yeah, like white Earthy. pepper, yeah. um Definitely some mushroom. I'm getting some red fruits. Yeah. Um, getting some strawberry. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, it smells good. Cherry. Here we go. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> this. Wow. It tastes earthy. Really earthy. But a little... It almost was like fruit on the tongue first. Yes. And then the earth kind of set in. Well, I guess I was supposed to do the wine term of the week. Oh. I kind of forgot about. I, get, I have one. Yeah. I, oh, I had like a secondary one. Let's, let's okay. Both, let's both let's do one. Let's both do it. Yeah. 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 Uh, do you let's start. Or do you want me to start? Um, I already kind of touched on it earlier, but I think it's like an important term that we... Uh, 
think about when we're uh, tasting German wine, which is residual sugar. Mmm, yeah, let's talk more about so residual sugar is the sugar that, um, from grapes left over after the wine, after fermentation stops. Mm-hmm. Um, so some wines are fermented completely dry and some are stopped before all the sugar is converted into alcohol to create a sweet wine. Hmm. So, I mean, do you see, are there, are there residual sugar measurements on these? I wonder. I don't know if Germany has a... Besides, like, their naming system, mm-hmm. I know that in the New World wines, and I'm not sure if this only applies to the U.S. or if there's other regions that do this as well, there is a specific marking. It's, like, basically just, like, a, a line, and it indicates from one end to the other how much residual sugar is mm-hmm. And I can't remember exactly if it has, like, a specific terminology what that scale is, but, yeah, it definitely exists, um... I mean, you couldn't help looking at the bottle. Mm-hmm. So that's my turn. Yeah, um, mine kind of applies to that as well, and it is a noble rot. Oh yeah, noble rot's so cool. Noble rot is really cool. It's um basically a fungus that <laughs> that attacks the grape um in really really moist climates, and some some winemakers actually choose to. I don't know if they like actually apply the rot or if they, it just happens naturally, but some winemakers will choose to make wine from the grapes that have noble rot specifically on them. Um, and it makes for really, really sweet wine. And the reason for that is because, so the, the spores of the noble rot, which is also called gray rot because it looks kind of gray on the grapes, it attacks the skin of the grape and it perforates it a little bit. So the moisture of the grape evaporates and it kind of raisins the grape, like it shrinks it, turns it into a more concentrated flavor. Um, and then those grapes are harvested and they are, um, yeah, made into sweet concentrated wine. So this type of wine is, or this type of wine making is referred to as Botrytized wine? Botrytized? Um, I think botry something is, oh goodness, I'm gonna <laughs> start that again. So is noble rot the same as bunch rot? You know, because like, if the grapes are too, if the, if the wad of grapes mm-hmm. is too tight, how they can push up against each uh, other, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Um, that's a very good question to investigate. Investigate. Um, this type of winemaking is referred to as botrytized wines, mm. which um, the gray fungus noble rut is, uh, the Latin name is botrytis cinerea. So, there you go. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Latin, German. <laughs> we are really butchering <laughs> all of it. We should change our podcast to the Butcher Blog. Oh. <laughs> and then make it a murder podcast. Oh, wait. Somebody's already done that. <laughs> oh, bummer. <laughs> you guys, murder's there's, sad. It's murder's scary. sad and scary, and there's a lot of murder podcasts out there. I'm not hating on any of them. But no. I'm just like, what? What a weird phenomenon. Yeah, like, we're just drinking wine. We're just drinking wine, having some fun, and eating some soft cheese. And not and not saying things right. And a couple, like a couple of French dukes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I have to make an edit from last week's episode. Did you? Yeah. Remember how I said Cuvée meant that all of the grapes came from the estate? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's just called estate. Oh! <laughs> Yeah, cuvee, I believe when we looked it up last night, is that it's like that particular unique blend. Yeah, so unless it refers to, um, unless it's talking about champagne. Yeah. And I don't remember what it refers to then, but yes. So it's like that batch of wine is only ever going to be blended that way in that tank or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. With those specific grapes. Exactly. So... Sorry. That's okay. We're learning. We're learning. We're learning. And we're drinking. <laughs> um, so, what was your favorite today? Uh, oof. This is tough. Yeah? Because I kind of like them all for very different reasons. They were super different. All of them. 
You know what? I'm actually going to take this Gewürzt as my number one. Whoa! Yeah, only because it is so... Because of the interesting way that it tasted mm -hmm. and because of... You know that speculation of it tasting that way because it might have gone past its drinkability. Mm. Um, not that it ever is undrinkable, no. but that you know there's recommendations for when you should have certain stuff. And as we touched on, this was a 2015, yeah. and probably it was supposed to be drank maybe in 2017, and yeah. now it's just been sitting in Edelweiss a little too long. In <laughs> but yeah, I really I loved. Um, I felt like I was drinking like a oily rose water and I liked it. Yeah. Weird. Um, like a tonic or something. Yeah, and then I do. I like this Pinot Noir a lot. I do too. Um, I keep drinking it. I keep going back to it and it's just like, it kind of has that like, that reduced strawberry balsamic flavor. Yeah, yeah. Fruitiness, which, um, oh, we have strawberries here. Ooh. I'm going to do a little, little combo experiment. Oh. And then, yeah, definitely getting some like, Mushroomy, peppery yeah. vibes from it. It's interesting. Um, tasty. Tasty. Uh, and then I'm probably going to do the Riesling after that. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'll do the Mueller Thurgau, mm -hmm. um, which, not bad. No. Just, you know, I think that it tasted a little bit more. There were some shard vibes. <laughs> I was getting some shard vibes from it. Um, even after we did our Chardonnay episode? I know. I'm, I'm, you know, I I think I really just like drinking Chardonnay on my own terms, which means mm -hmm. I am going to the wine store, I'm probably going to a wine store, and I'm picking wines that are, you know, maybe not super oak bombs, you know? Yeah, or something that's more locally produced. Because as I was saying last night, if you are going into a restaurant, there are housewives... I guarantee you, I want to say like 90 point, 98.5% of the time you're getting a California Chardonnay. That's <laughs> just like, ugh, get more creative. There's so many. <laughs> like, you can get cheap stuff. Like, you can get Sauvignon Blanc for the same price. Like, ugh. You can get this. I mean, you said that you got that um, Chardonnay that you had the other night. You got it in a Chinese restaurant, which is like... So wrong. It's so wrong. It's so wrong. But I knew that everything else was going to be gross with my... I didn't want a beer because that was going to make me full and I knew I was going to be eating a shit ton of food. Right. So, I mean, it was like I had to pick Chardonnay out of sheer duress. <laughs> Somebody was literally holding some chopsticks to your throat. Dude, those chopsticks at Duck House are... are very intense. The metal ones? Yeah. They look like um, knitting needles, they which do. we all know can be a murder weapon. From our murder podcast, TBD. Um, <laughs> yeah, they should have had a reverse demeanor or a Riesling. Been fine. Would have been great, but nope. I guess a lot of Chinese restaurants don't have a wine program. Probably, probably not. not. Probably not. But <laughs> maybe someday, maybe we can you know, find, find somebody to Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's my order. What about yours, Adrian? Um. I really liked the Riesling the most. Mm. I am getting really into dry. Sounds really dumb when I say that. It's getting okay. really into it. Um, oh my god, I'm getting into dry Riesling. I'm like really getting into dry Riesling. <laughs> um, they're just like so like balanced and like so aesthetic. Um, <laughs> but seriously, uh, that was very very good, and I just thought it was something that I could have with so much different food. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'd say that the second was. The Spotterburger. Spot nope, I butchered that. Nope, nope. <laughs> and as it. you butchered it, I just got a big old mustardy glob. Of That's okay. That's why I put the uh, the tea towels down. For slobs like me. <laughs> oh, um, shit. Allie's coming over. Get oh, the tea God. towels. Get the tea towels. <laughs> oh. the, I'm going to try this again. Oh, yeah. The Spotburgunder. 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 <laughs> um... That was my second favorite. And then the third, I would say, this is demeanor, just because I can't stop drinking it, even though it's not really my taste. Yeah, that's what I mean. I just poured some more of it, because mm -hmm. I'm like, mm, okay. what? More of this. Um, and then, yeah, the Mueller Thurgood just didn't leave much of an impression on me. It was good. It was totally fine. Yeah. Totally great. Mm -hmm. I think it's a good party wine. 
And I say that because, A, there's more of it to share. There's more of it to share. It comes in a leader. B, if you just, you know, you need to go, you're not going to feel sad about leaving it. Mm-hmm. So it can double as a housewarming gift. <laughs> if you forget it, like... <laughs> You're not gonna feel sad about leaving it. You're not. You're not gonna be the person trying to sneak out the rest of your booze with you <laughs> when you're leaving. I've totally been that person. Oh yeah, back back in the day. Oh yeah. Um, I will say this about a, a Mueller. I'm just gonna stop saying the second part. Mm-hmm. Um, that because that one was the uh, how I want to say Halbatrocken, which sounds like a spaceship in Star mm-hmm. Trek. The but, hell of a truck and 3,000. But I, <laughs> I would almost try a Mueller as a trocken, so I want to try a drier one and see if that's more mm-hmm. up my alley. But uh, Okay, I think it's time to play seven things with our Ooh. favorite pick. Yay! Yay! Okay. Adrian, your favorite wine is the Riesling. Mm-hmm. The Leo Platten Riesling. Seven things. Spotless trocken. Yeah. Yeah, from Mosul. Yeah. Seven things you would do while drinking this. Oh. Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would... Let's see, wait. Let me take a sip. Mm, yeah, take a sip. Really let it marinate mm. when you're done. Oh. Yeah. Um, I would organize my spice cabinet. Oh. Um, I... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, I would uh, go uh, to a specialty shopping store and probably spend at least over a hundred dollars. Dry. Um, I would give my dog kisses on his little feet. <laughs> Why? <laughs> um, I would steam some broccoli and then eat it all in one go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I would um, probably call uh, a, a relative that I haven't talked to in a long time but then when it got to voicemail I'd be like nah, I don't really feel like leaving a voicemail <laughs> <laughs> this is just oh, my memory from a year ago which is probably really bad so I probably definitely fucked up these um I would, let's see, um, I would go buy some air fresheners, even though I don't usually buy those. <laughs> uh, and for last, um, I would, oh, let's see, I would, um, make a collage out of pictures of President Obama and draw a big heart on it. <laughs> Demon! Demon thing! <laughs> I think I fucked up six, but it's okay. Yeah, uh, whatever. I liked it. It was very convincing. Um, yeah, Riesling is very mysterious. I don't know where I went with that. No, I loved all of them. Um, okay, Hallie. Yeah. Um, what are seven things you do with this conversion? Um, I would probably take out my lace gloves before my coming out party and I would um, like hand scrub them to make sure that they were really clean so I could attract more suitors. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> um, I would definitely go shopping for very specific, uh, like you know how like little creamers, those little cute little creamers oh, that you get? Yeah. yeah. But like I want a bunch of those, like different ones. Like I want a little creamer for every month of the year. So like I want to go shopping for 12 different creamer holders. <laughs> 12 of them? <laughs> specifically? Um, specifically 12, yes. Okay. Bye. <laughs> um, and then... Uh, you know, I just want to relive a day like I just got done with high school. So I want to just like come home after work and I want to like put on some family matters and maybe some full house. And, you know, then maybe like close my door and masturbate to HBO. I don't know. Thrive! <laughs> um, I would like to open a, a store that only sold... Yes. Sweaters. <laughs> Fire. 
Um, I want to go on one of those like walks at like specifically like 10 in the morning in October where like the breeze is out, the sun is out. Um, and I just want to like, you know, write haikus. Cool. <laughs> Um, I definitely want to um, make some jewelry out of out of like forks, you know. You know how people do like that Saturday market. Yeah, I want to do like some really cliche Saturday market things that you know everybody else has done, but I want to do it better. Sick. <laughs> um, I kind of just want a bone on a mountaintop. Simon. <laughs> Steven! Steven! Sorry, I'm not pronouncing any of these right. No, it's great. Steven! Steven things! Steven things. Um, well, gang. Well, gang. We made a hot mess out of everything. Um, (laughs) Carnage is real right now. Yeah, we've destroyed a lot of cheeses. Um, and fun fact, seaweed goes stale really quick. Really, really quick. Um, so guys, next week... Keep your... Yeah, airtight, airtight seaweed feeling. <laughs> uh, next week we're not going to be here. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, we have um, two special guests which are going to come uh, yeah. fill in for us. They're both professors. Yep. Um, they both are going to bring a, a wine that we don't know about yet. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I think they were droning on maybe about Bordeaux. I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. We're going to find out. Um, so yeah, so I hope that I hope that you enjoy the next guest episode. Follow-on's going to take a small break. Yeah, it's a little, little uh, post, post-summer uh, hiatus, because mm-hmm. boy howdy, did we have a summer. <laughs> oh God, it was so hot and we drank so much. <laughs> All right, have a good night, or whatever time of day it is when you're listening. <laughs> it's five o'clock somewhere. Bye! Bye.